start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is totally free and available to you all with new episodes every Thursday via podcastone.com, Apple Podcasts, and of course, now totally free and available via Spotify. No subscription needed to Spotify. Just go ahead and grab it in the podcast section. However you listen, however you connect each and every week, thank you for doing so. And I hope wherever you are in the world, things are okay by you. And that's about as best we can hope for in pandemic land being okay. I mean, really, it's uh, incredible how long this is continuing. Uh, You are getting this podcast if you're listening on post day on the 16th day of April 2020. And here in New Jersey, where I live, we are still looking at lockdown Going for at least a couple more weeks. Um, Los Angeles, I know, going at least till the middle of May. And honestly, at this point, folks, I don't think we stand a chance in hell of seeing live concerts on any real level until September, October at the soonest. Um, You know, if there's stuff on the books for June, July, I I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, maybe very small club stuff. Maybe some aspects of the economy hopefully opening sooner than later, but it is just not boding well for public gatherings of large groups in what would be a concert or live entertainment event. And they're even talking about sports being played without anybody in the audience. I mean, I think we're going to be in this mode in some way, probably until, you know, probably until there's a, a vaccine which could be anywhere from a year and a half to two years from what they're saying. And that's the only way that we can really get back to total normalcy. So hopefully sooner, hopefully there's advances, hopefully, you know, just, I just, I just think everybody has a different idea and even the medical professionals, different opinions. I had a doctor 
on my Sirius XM show, a very noted doctor who I met on a plane. He does work on CBS on TV as well. His name is Dr. David Agus. And he came on my radio show. I may podcast that to you next week, but he came on my Sirius XM show where, of course, all the interviews you hear on this show originate. And he was saying that, and and this has been put out there by a number of different people, that the idea of potentially having some sort of card or something that, that says you are immune to the virus could be a viable thing in order to get people into public gatherings. And then, you know, I got a lot of blowback from people via email when the doctor said that on my radio show when it aired about a week and a week and a half ago saying, oh, that's an infringement on civil liberties and all that. I, I don't know. I don't know what the resolution is. I think everybody's going to have to bend a little bit. Everybody's going to have to cooperate as best they can. And, uh, you know, I feel for the people that are suffering from work from all this. It's just crazy. Not just the entertainment industry, but across the board. I've been very lucky personally in that, you know, I do broadcasting for a living and I do radio for a living predominantly. And I am able to work from home and deliver a radio show every day on Sirius XM. And that's been a big plus for me to continue to generate that paycheck. But I've taken my fair share of hits as well with, uh, honestly, revenue being greatly down on a lot of advertising platforms that I make a percentage of the money from, including this podcast. I have a terrestrial radio show, advertising revenue being down there. So it's a, it's a crazy time for everybody, and some are weathering it a little bit better than others. But, I, I mean, me personally, I've been okay, thankfully. And I appreciate those that have reached out and checked and just checked in with me. But uh, you know, I've got a house big enough that everybody has a little bit of their own space. And, you know, family of four under one roof, so there's that. And then, you know, I'm, I'm able to work every day. And I've actually been busier than I normally am, even in normal times, just because I'm producing eight shows a week on my own and without the benefit of a producer or anything like that. And it's been a little bit of a change. But again, I'm not complaining at all. I'm lucky that I have what I have and have the opportunity to continue to work. Many others not nearly as fortunate. So whatever situation you're in, hope you can find a way to endure and get through it. And I hope we are sincerely on the other side of this. I can only speak for the New York, New Jersey area where I live, which was the epicenter of, of the virus in America, at least, for the last three weeks or so easily. And the vibe here, although incredibly serious still, is that it may finally start to we might start to, as they say, go on the other side of the curve and things may gradually start to get better. Although Easter was like the worst day for people passing away. So it's just a crazy, crazy world we're in now. And I send you all my very best and hope you can endure it as best you can. You're hearing enough about all this from other places. Let me get to what I do, which is talk rock. Today we have two great interviews Last couple of weeks, if you noticed, I'm giving you a little longer podcast. I'm doubling up on interviews where I can, trying to you know, provide as much um, alternative to the news content as I can. I am on Sirius XM every single day still doing live. Well, not live. That's the one difference. I can't work live right now, but I am pre-recording and airing brand new shows every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 
10 to midnight Eastern, as usual, on Sirius XM Channel 106, Volume. So be sure to uh, you know check that out. And the Sirius XM app, which is available to everyone in the U.S. and Canada, is now free listening to everyone until May 15th. So if you don't have Sirius or XM and you're in America or Canada and you always wanted to hear my shows, you can download the app and listen for free until May 15th. Just dial up my show, Trunk Nation or Eddie Trunk or whatever. Uh, you can listen on demand or to the stream as the shows air, 2 to 4, 10 to midnight Eastern daily. Been some great guests on there lately. And some of those guests I'm bringing to you, of course, here on the podcast a week or two after the interviews originate live on that show. And that's where the two interviews I have for you today come from. First up, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. Now, what happened is I've got this recording device that enables me to record phone conversations, just like if they were calling into my radio show. And I am now able to connect with a bunch of artists and have some interviews and some new, new content, and really checking in with a lot of artists, asking them how they're doing, finding out how the quarantine is impacting them, and whatever else they want to share with me. So had some great in-depth, very casual conversations. I've got a great one coming up with Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony. I'll get that to you next week. That made a lot of news when it aired. But this week, I'm going to bring you Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm first, followed by David Ellison of Megadeth second. The Ellison interview was done prior to a charity online event that Ellison did this past Saturday. It was uh, some some charitable component where he enlisted a bunch of different artists and people to come on a, a, a sort of a telethon, a streaming telethon. What what we have happening now, obviously, is so many people doing these sort of uh, you know streaming performances, which is all great and it's all coming from a great place. I think the challenge is everyone is doing them now. Anyone can do them, and just trying to get traction and eyes and ears and people to know or care about them is probably a bit challenging. But. David did one for a great cause, and that was the main catalyst for him checking in with me, although we touch on Megadeth's first tour with Dave since he had cancer and a bunch of other great stuff. David Elveson, just a great guy, known him forever, and it's a, a fun conversation. That's second. First up, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. Same deal. Uh, Lizzie just checked in. We were texting, and I said, hey, you want to come on and say hello to the fans? She said, yeah. And she's been great through this whole thing if you follow her social media because she's really been connecting with people in a lot of different ways online, keeping in touch with her fan base. And she spent a good amount of time with me, as you're about to hear in a matter of minutes, um, just talking about everything, the virus, hailstorm, the future, the quarantine, just a wonderful person, amazing talent. And I, you know, I got to thank her because as you're about to hear in the interview, I bring up this custom guitar she has. And shortly after this interview aired, she sent me one of those guitars, which is incredibly kind and generous of her to do. I don't know how to play guitar. I don't know how much longer this quarantine is going to last, but one of my great regrets is not learning how to play. So maybe, maybe if I have the time, like I said, I've been really busy, but if I have the time, 
I will be able to dedicate that to possibly taking some online lessons and learning. Who knows? But she sent me her beautiful custom Explorer, and I thank her for that. Had no idea that was going to happen. So first up, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, followed by David Ellison of Megadeth. A nice, long, double-dip interview for you this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Remember, connect with me on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, Instagram, at Eddie Trunk, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com is my official online home. I mean, there's so many things I wanted to get done during this stay-at-home thing, but I'm, I'm not getting any of the ancillary stuff done because I've been focused on getting you guys shows and podcasts and my FM show and all the things I got to do every week. So not I, no, nothing has slowed down for me in terms of work, thankfully, but there's so many things I was hoping to get around to that I haven't. But I am able to get you new content still every week here, and I thank you for checking out the podcast and spread the word. You know, people looking for stuff to listen to or check out, make sure you tell them about this podcast if they're not already hip to it. And as usual, it will not cost you a penny to listen to it. Hey, let me uh, tell you guys though, real quick before we get to our interviews about Raycon earbuds. They are wireless earbuds, and they are really, really very, very cool. Whether you're working from home like so many of us are, maybe you are you know, trying to figure out some fitness and listening to stuff and want some great-sounding earbuds while you work out or whatever you want to do, or you just want a good, affordable, comfortable-sounding great pair of earbuds, you got to check out Raycon. The newest model, the Everyday E25 Buds, they are the best ones yet. They've got six hours of playtime, easy Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a very compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. One of my biggest problems with earbuds is they're not comfortable. I don't like the way they feel in my ears. They're not, they just don't feel like they fit right. They always feel like they're going to fall out. Not the Raycons. They've got all these ad- adjustable little um pieces you can put on the end to make sure they're as comfortable as possible. They're stylish. There's no dangling wires. They're really great. Now it's the time. What better time, especially if you're in lockdown, get yourself some earbuds from Raycon. Latest and greatest, you get 15% off your order. That's right, 15% off an already great price. All you got to do is go to the website buyraycon.com slash trunk. That's buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, dot com, slash trunk. Buyraycon.com, slash trunk. 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Once again, buyraycon.com, slash T-R-U-N-K. Be sure to check them out. All right, we got uh, first up Lizzie Hale, followed by David Ellison. Enjoy the interviews on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, I got a new podcast coming. It's called Theory. Don't you know? This is Theo Rossi. Our world is changing. For many of us, it'll never feel the same. The important thing to remember is that we are all in this together. And that's some of what I want to talk about on my new show, Theory. We're going to discuss the things that no one ever does. The real talk, the sacrifice, and the struggle that everyone goes through. My life has kind of put me in a unique position to see things honestly. This is Theo Rossi, and my new show, Theory, launches on April 8th, officially on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts. 
This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, two interviews for you this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Coming up a little bit later on, a lengthy conversation with David Ellison of Megadeth talking about all kinds of stuff. But before we get to David, first up, Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. I love the latest Hailstorm album, Vicious. It is my favorite record by far that they've made in their career. I talked to Lizzie during quarantine about what she's been working on, the next Hailstorm record, her feature guitar, and a bunch of other cool stuff. Enjoy Lizzie Hale first up on this week's Double Dip on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I appreciate this lady taking a few minutes out of her schedule to uh, chat with us here. It is none other than Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. You know, it's funny, Lizzie, because I'm talking to a few different artists and I'm saying taking a few minutes out from their schedule because I'm used to saying <laughs> that. And then they all kind of respond with the same thing. Well, it's not like I'm doing anything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I should be thanking you for filling up my schedule a little bit. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. Like when you're, I mean, the, the hustle has always been real for us and for me. So the fact that, you know, all, you know, touring has stopped and, and going out and performing has stopped. And, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I would normally be hustling and doing um, are just are different now, you know. And, and so we're, we're all just trying to find new ways to connect. And um, one, one hugely positive thing, though, is I, I see a lot of, at least in our fan base, a lot of unity and a lot of uh, it feels like we're just all going to have a different perspective when all of this blows over like all of the the petty differences all of the you know whose side are you on politically like no one's talking about that right now everybody's just hey how you doing checking in everyone's checking in on everyone's mental health so it's kind of in there is some positivity that i am seeing um in this trying time which is uh a beautiful thing to be a part of, you know. Well, you've always been super connected to the fans. The whole band has, but you especially. I mean, I notice even in the last couple of weeks with all this madness going on, you've been real active talking to fans on Twitter and various social media and stuff and just trying to keep positive messages out there. I mean, that's important. And I mean, you have a lot of fans, of course, that look up to you and and, and uh, respect you and, and all that. So keeping those positive vibes and keeping everybody kind of on, on the upswing and optimistic, I think, is a really important thing right now oh absolutely and I, I think that you know because everyone's kind of locked in um I, I talk a lot about mental health and I, I have my own things that I, that I battle um but uh but it's it's just a it's a crazy thing to to try to exude that hey we actually are all in this same boat yeah. because it can feel very isolating and it can feel very you know, lonely and, and confusing and you just, you're knocked right out of all of your normal life stuff. Everything has to be adjusted. Even like to me, like, like even the simple thing, like cooking right now is like, I love to cook, but now like everything that I have, cause I've kind of stocked up on a lot of frozen food is just like, okay, now it's a new routine. Yeah, I got to like take the stuff out of the freezer and just all that stuff. And like, I can't like do the, the fresh stuff that I normally do. So even like, small things like that. But um, I don't know, like for, for me, uh, you know, I, I've begun trying to get a new routine going. Um, the, luckily for us, we had already kind of staked out this time to write another record. So that's kind of all, 
all I'm pretty much filling up my schedule with besides, you know, little side things. Like I started painting again and I, I'm going fishing, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, you know, it's like, it's just, it's interesting because, you know, for all of us, I mean, there are bands that have had to, you know, cancel their tours. Um, we had a small run in April that has already been postponed to September and hopefully we'll be able to do that. So it's, it's just a, it's hard to predict what the world is going to be like after everybody gets back to normal. Um, I don't know if there is a back to normal, so it's, it's a, it's a strange time. Well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, the problem is nobody knows what the new normal is going to be. Nobody knows when this is really going to start up again. I mean, what's really weird for me is obviously some big festivals got blown out in May, and that was like, okay, wow. And then, like, just the other day, I saw Roger Waters cancel a tour that was scheduled to start in July and run through October and push it into next year. And I'm like, whoa, they're already killing stuff in July. But then you talk to people, and then I have a friend of mine that manages a a performing arts center here in New Jersey, and he's telling me, yeah, we're, we're set to start up again June 1st. And you hear people like, well, maybe it's Memorial Day weekend. So there, nobody really seems to know what the plan is. I, I had John Five on and I, I was talking to him and I said, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I said, do you think we'll, we'll ever be shaking hands again at gigs or will <laughs> artists be doing meet and greets anymore? Or And John's thing was he thinks we've seen the end of movie theaters. He's like, I think the future is movies just coming directly to your house. I don't think anybody's going to movie theaters anymore. So everybody's got like their, di- you know, I, I don't know. I'm just sort of optimistic in a way that I think once this does clear that I hope everything comes back really, really quickly. Like I think people are going to be really excited to get back out there again. I hope everybody has some money to do it given what's happening with jobs and the economy. But I just, I just feel like once we sort of get the all clear, I'm hoping and, and cautiously optimistic that things get back to normal sooner than later. I think so too. And I, I think as far as, you know, the, the touring world, um, yes, depending on, you know, your, your level of, uh, of scare with, uh, with meet and greets and, and all of that, you know, it's, it's either going to be, um, we're going to see maybe less of those or just higher caution. Like, okay, you know, if, if you're shaking, maybe we're not shaking hands anymore. Maybe we're just taking pictures and have a lot of PRL. Maybe there's that. Um, but, uh, but also I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of really good music that comes out of this too. And right. I think that every, everyone's going to kind of have to do on each end do our part like i think the bands we're gonna have to you know do some do some cheaper shows maybe some free ones like just to get that ball rolling again and uh and maybe it's more about packages and like have like five or six bands on the same bill you know everybody helping each other out um i you know it's 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 interesting because it's very I like what you said. I don't think that it's going to be the same ever again, uh, but hopefully it'll actually be a little better. You know, maybe everybody just gets a different perspective because for so long now, um, you know, not, not just our, our, in our country, but the world, like everyone has been so incredibly divided on all of these different subjects. And now this is like this mass distraction. And it's also something that we're all in the same boat. So, and we all understand that it has to be all hands on deck for us to get through this, you know? So everyone's like trying to do their part. And I, I, 
I don't know. I, I feel like maybe we're looking at a, a sunnier world at the end of this. And that's, that's what I'm choosing to believe anyway. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think you're crazy thinking that at all. I really don't. You know, you said something interesting. Like, so a lot of artists that I, I talk to are telling me that they've had a lot of dates canceled or postponed because of this. It sounds like for Hailstorm, it was just a handful. And, and like you said, you'd carved out this time to work on the follow-up to Vicious, which is my favorite record Hailstorm ever made. So I think you got a, a high bar oh, as, as far as a follow-up and I'm really excited to hear what you're doing next but how has this impacted that have you been able to write have you been able to record I mean wh- where you know what what sort of impact has this had positively or negatively on the creation of the next record well um I'll start with a positive first uh positive uh you know as far as that goes I've spent uh, probably the last four years, I, I just, I, I bought a house four years ago here in Nashville and, um, I've been working toward, um, just making it into kind of a fortress. So I have a studio in the basement, um, with a, with a, the, my, the vocal chain that we've been, that we actually use for dishes. So I can, I can still work from home. I can still guest with people. They can just send me the files and I'll do everything from home. Um, the, the negative is that we were actually supposed to get together with our, with, with Nick uh, Rasculinus, um and start some pre-pro. So that isn't necessarily going to be happening anytime soon, but um, it just, I'm, I'm taking it as uh, more or less using it to my advantage, you know, because, okay, now all I have to do is top whatever I've been writing and just keep, make sure that I have enough content for when this actually all starts happening again you know, um, that we can, uh, <laughs> raise that bar, as you said, with vicious. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, and, but the other thing, the weirdest thing though, is I was just talking about this, um, to, to Joe yesterday about how now subject matter has kind of changed in, in the same way as if, I don't know if you're doing this, if you're watching like Netflix or something and you, you're watching a movie and they're in a crowded space. Or, or they're, you know, at a concert or they're, um, shaking hands. You're like, Oh God, that was so like three weeks ago, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that, this, you know, not with the times anymore. Um, but in that same aspect, uh, with like, as far as with writing lyrics, um, you know, I don't know. There's like a bunch of different things that I think that I was like really excited about or into, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. And now it, I don't know, lyrics mean something different now and e- even songs that we already have you know like we were just doing this um uh, twitch performance uh yesterday um just to, to raise money uh for uh you know just for uh, just relief funds for uh medical people and and getting masks and also trying to raise money for maybe eventually getting a, a vaccine it was kind of like this weird telephone <laughs> is that the thing that <laughs> barry gibb did didn't barry gibb do that i i think he was on there too yeah, yeah. there was like a bunch of people was, us and Lindsey Sterling and a uh, a band called Shade and there was a bunch of DJs. It was really cool actually to see everybody come together like that. But a- anyway, we're, we we performed uh, two songs. One of our songs uh, was "The Silence" off of Vicious, and the other one was "Here's to Us." And it's amazing how as I was singing these lyrics, all of a sudden it just means something completely different than what it was a couple of weeks ago. You know, and and so I don't know. I'm, I'm approaching that with with almost this uh i don't know it 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 it, it almost not excitement yes um 
but but also I feel like I'm just observing the world in a different way. So um, so I don't know. Like I, I might actually end up like even the songs that I thought that were like worthy of the record a couple of weeks ago. I might just have to trash those for now and just start again. So um, yeah, so that's been interesting in my life as well. I said on the air the other day, I said, I, I know that in about six to six to 12, over the next six to 12 months, somewhere in that range, I'm going to be interviewing a lot of artists who are going to be telling me about their new record or their new song and being like, yeah, I wrote that in day 22 of the quarantine, yes. or it was influenced <laughs> by not being able to get toilet paper, or, you know, it's going to make for some interesting storylines and songs, I would think, for the next few years to come. It sounds like it's already doing it for you. You're reconsidering stuff you've written. (laughs) Absolutely. It's funny you say about the dates. Like I've started dating like what you went, because I I still write with pen and paper and all that. And, and, uh, and then I transfer it over. But, uh, but as I'm like doing my chicken scratch stuff, um, I, I started to date it just so that I can, at least me, like I can look back and be like, Oh yeah, that was during that time. (laughs) Yeah. um, you, you know, I don't know. It's weird being d- disconnected from physical aspects of people, but also I feel like everybody is online and everybody's talking to each other. So it's, it's, it's so strange because you don't have that physical, like, Hey, I'm hanging out at a, at a party with my friends and drinking some wine. Um, you, those subjects aren't really like there right now. You know, it's like, you have to just kind of, you're you're thinking more inward and also uh, uh, more, um, I guess, mass, you know, population and world. So, so I think in a lot of ways, whatever these new songs are gonna are happening right now, like those are the two kind of categories. It's either extremely personal, um, or or absolutely just you know one for the world. You know, so it's it's uh, it's it's kind of it's. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> so you guys actually haven't recorded anything yet for the record. You're still in the writing mode. You were supposed to start recording with Nick, who is your producer, and he's a regular listener of this show. He's always texting me with lists and things, which is really very nice. And uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. So you were supposed to be record, you know, start recording now, and obviously that's backburnered. So that's maybe given you some more time to reflect on the material you were going to go in with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we're just, it's just demo mode, um, completely. Right. And, uh, and, and, and the, the, the good thing about, like I said, like with some of the, just the gear that I've collected over the past couple of years, um, is that if there is, I'm, I'm at least, well, except for drums, uh, but like any, anything that I record at home via, you know, guitar, piano, vocals, if that is actually the keep or take, um, we can use that. That actually happened a lot on Vicious while we were making that because um, I would be making these demos at home with this, with this gear. Then we would get in the studio, you know, a couple weeks later, like after, you know, whatever, the excitement from the song kind of like died down. And then Nick being, you know, the, the guy with the ears, he's like, hey, man, like you have these inflections in your demo that like you're just not it's just not there right now. You're thinking too much. And so like we would either have to kind of backtrack and have me kind of study my demo or he'd be like, Hey, we'll just like put that on there. We'll use your demo vocal. Well, didn't you um, tell me, didn't Lizzie, didn't you tell me or, or, or maybe it was Nick that told me because the silence, I mean, the vocal performance on that is just stunning. And I think somebody I heard it from, correct me if I'm wrong, told me that actually was the demo vocal, right? 
that that absolutely was the demo vocal. Wow. Uh, it was it was funny. Well, and it's funny because we talked about that because um, you know I had done a bunch of takes in the studio when we got everything all like you know done up and and whatever and got all the guitars sound and pretty and and um and it's and it's it's funny because I literally recorded that vocal at like three in the morning because that's where uh, apparently I had been sitting there <laughs> until three in the morning and uh, and so I put it down and I wasn't thinking about it because I'm thinking oh whatever it's a demo I'll I'll do it better later and we just couldn't match whatever that magic was so again you know for so to me I I feel very lucky that I made that kind of investment a couple of years ago because now given this time I am going to be able to at least have some get some things accomplished without having to like you know write and then redo and then re-record and whatever so you know hopefully that's that's the case anyway. Well, right. Well, thanks to technology it, for some of us, we're lucky that we can work and it can be a productive time. Like I was telling you just before we started the interview that I'm lucky that I've had a home studio that I've worked from doing radio predominantly for the last three years or so. And it's been great because I'm lucky I can still work and this is what I do and I can still get a check and still deliver what I need to deliver to my, you know, my employer, you as a musician, uh, now with this investment you've made in equipment, you can make this time productive. Okay. You know, you're not on the road, which of course is a big part of the business now, but you're able to, to actually work on what, you know, fine tuning your songs and, and now actually recording them in a way that will be useful and maybe cut time down when you do end up getting with Nick. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, I think about like years ago, you know, I mean, even before, so before, like before social media, you know, and I'm like, I'm writing in my basement with, you know, a four track task cam recorder, you know, and like all this stuff and, and, and there's like no connection necessarily, you know, I'm so glad that this didn't happen then, right. <laughs> you know, we're, because, you know, it's again, like with that positive spin, we're living in this beautiful age of the internet and social media and entertainment and the things that you can just do from your house now. Um, so, you know, as much as this is, you know, devastating in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, we are very lucky, you know, to be living in this time. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's, we'll see what happens, man. <laughs> you know, and, and the other thing, too, in talking to artists both, both um, you know, on the air and privately is just checking in with people and bands that I know over the years. The one thing that some of them are telling me, because there is so much, we all know the business is so much about the road and about touring, and that's where the mm -hmm. money's made, and that's where so many people spend their time now. And the thing is, is that um, the, the upside of this in talking to some people is that you know what? Actually, it, the reason why we have to stay in kind of sucks, but actually, it's actually kind of a cool little decompress that, you know, to kind of like get away from the madness of the road and the travel and the hustle and bustle and actually be able to spend a little bit more time with, you know, families, friends, loved ones, kids, whatever the, the situation may be. Granted, there's people that are probably going crazy, crazy dealing with that too. <laughs> and trust me, I've talked to them privately too, like they're ready to blow their brains out. But the, the great majority of people are like, "Hey, you know what? It's actually good to be home for a little bit. This is actually okay." And and I think everybody's looking at it in a different way, depending upon their situation, of course. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I flip-flop between both of those things because, you know, on, on one hand, like, this is a beautiful time to, like, kind of reflect on things and, and yourself. And um, But at the same time, like, the reason that we tour so much is because um, we kind of primally need it, or at least I do. So, like, even just, like, so this, that, that's why I keep, like, saying yes to all of these, like, um, kind of live, you know, internet performances because I'm like, man, I need a gig. Like, yeah, <laughs> what? Why do I feel like you have these moments? Of like, man, why do I just like feel bummed for no reason at all? Like, every like it's a beautiful day, and I, I just feel, but oh, I haven't had a show in a while, <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't know. And, and usually, I would be getting that sick here in Nashville. Um, you know, there's a, at any given day of the week, a bunch, a, all of my friends, you know, gig all the time and. Um, I'll get up and, you know, sing a Judas Priest cover or something and like just get my fix that way. So the fact that that's not happening either, um, we were, we were actually supposed to be doing that as well. Uh, there was a Nashville, um, relief from the tornadoes, uh, right. gig that we were all supposed to be a part of. And it was like literally the entire rock community, um, was, was, was slotted for this huge night, um, at the cannery. And, that's gone away too. So it's like, Oh no. So it's, so it's like one of those things where it's, it's just, it's a little bittersweet. I'm, I'm very, I'm very lucky. Like none of my family members or friends are sick. You know, everyone's like doing their part, you know, so far so good. Um, but yeah, but we're all literally like, we, we've, uh, we've been group chatting, you know, and, um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's hilarious to get on with those guys and everyone's like, crazy for a gig so we're all like venting to each other um yeah oh a fun game though i um so one of my uh my dj friend, actually you might know him do you know johnny dare sure of um, course i do at, at kansas city yeah yeah so i love johnny sent, yeah a couple of months ago he sent me um an alice cooper head right and it's it's made by the same people that that make the the guillotine head that alice tours with right so mm-hmm. he sent me one and so, so it started um, probably about a week or so ago um, when we were just kind of bored and nothing to do. So uh, Joe ended up putting my putting the head on top of um, a coat rack that's in my bedroom, and it scared the bejesus out of me, right? Because you just like walk in the bedroom and there's like a guy with a head, right? <laughs> so I, I in turn <laughs> um, hit it in uh, in his uh, closet drawer and scared the bejesus out of him and then it and it went back and forth for a couple of days and now uh the head is hidden and it's kind of like tag you're it and uh we're just that's that's been a, like and I, I i i turned to him the other day i'm just like is this what it's come down to <laughs> we're just that's that's what how we're passing the time and uh you know it, it, we feel a little insane a little insane um but I guess it's fitting with the Alice Cooper head. So. Yeah, well, of course, you you know that you know as you're saying this, I'm looking at in my home studio. I've got this this gargoyle mask that Kirk Hammett gave me, and it's sitting here on a stand, and it it can go on someone's head. And now I'm thinking with my my two kids, uh, I always like to shake them up a little bit and keep them on their toes. So you're giving me some ideas <laughs> to maybe plant that yeah. somewhere in their rooms. Some fun, fun quarantine activities, like like even if it's like you know in an underwear drawer or something, sock drawer. <laughs> oh Jesus, you know. 
<laughs> hey, let me ask you a couple quick things, and I'll let you go. I, I saw you at Nam earlier this year when things were normal. Saw you very briefly <laughs> in the in the Gibson uh, in the Gibson room, and then um, and and you know I I meant to ask you this. I, I don't play guitar. It's my one regret that I never took lessons and learned. Maybe one day I will. But I love the instrument, and I love just looking at it, and I, I love the design of it and, and all that. And I've always loved the Explorers. I always thought they were one of the coolest-looking guitars ever. And you have your own model uh, through Gibson. That is an Explorer, right? Yes. Yes, so that, that came out a couple of years ago, and it's just the design of it and the look of it. And again, I wish I could tell you, oh, my God, it plays amazing, but I don't play, so I wouldn't know, but I'm sure it does. But how has that done <laughs> for you? I mean, that's that's got to be such a cool thing. And I've gotten to know the folks running Gibson now, and they seem like really good people. And it's really good to see that company kind of come back from almost being the dead, uh, being dead at one point. But uh, how's that guitar done for you? Has it sold well? Is it uh, you know you got to be really proud of ha- having something like that, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I'm so, I'm, it's, I'm so humbled, you know, to be able to be a part of, of that team. And, and you're absolutely correct. They, it, it's, the company has completely transformed, um, into this very, like, it just feels like family. Um, you know, we all actually, like, we hang out and go out to, di- well, we used to <laughs> go out to dinner, um, all the time with, with a bunch of the peeps and, and, uh, I just, they really care, which is amazing. Yeah. And, um, and no, it, it's been, it's been, a, it's been actually like incredible. Um, they have to keep sending me, uh, the, uh, the COAs, the certificate of authenticity to sign because they keep selling out of it, which is awesome. Um, but uh, the most beautiful thing that has happened with, with all of this and with, with the signature guitar has been, um, when I get, uh, letters from these little girls. And they're, it's like, you know, from like eight to nine year olds, right? And they're drawing me <laughs> or their parents give me the letters from their kids and they're drawing me and they draw me with the Explorer. Now, like the angles are a little wonky because it's, you know, it's a tough guitar to draw. I'm sure even if you're an adult, um, but it's been amazing to see that become kind of an extension of, of my, not only my image and, and personality, but also um, just, just to be in inspiring some young girls to pick up a guitar yeah. to like to even 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 if it's just hey i i just want to like feel cool <laughs> wearing it um and like just beautiful letters from parents you know getting it for their kids for christmas and all of these things and so just to have that kind of reach and be uh, you know hopefully for for some of these kids be that person that um you know, that that I kind of had to dig into my parents, you know, generation of music to have when I was a kid, you know, so there, there weren't a whole lot of, you know, uh, electric guitar playing girls, you know, when I was coming up in the scene and when I was starting to get interested in guitar. So I had to go back to, you know, Joan Jett and Nancy Wilson and, and Lita Ford and, and all of these people that, that I was like, okay, cool, it, it is possible. So just, just to be that person that, that at least you know, a little girl can look up and be like, oh, okay, she's doing it. So therefore it's possible. And I can too. Um, it's just, uh, and that's been the most wonderful thing to happen um, with this signature guitar. Yeah. Get, get kids off of their computers and video games and what have you, and you know, their phones and maybe get a guitar in their hands and get the next generation going some that, I mean, that that's awesome. I'll tell you, I saw the guitar 
uh, two years ago at NAM when I was in that Gibson room hanging up, it was hanging up on the wall, and I, I didn't know it was your guitar, and I was uh, Cesar from Gibson. I was talking to him, and I said, wow, that is a badass-looking guitar. I'm like, if I played guitar, I'd want one of those things because that is so cool-looking. He goes, that's the Lizzie Hale model. I go, oh, I knew it. Of course it is. It was just so cool, so I'm glad it's doing well for you. That's really good to hear. Well, dude, I mean, we're all quarantined. There's never a better time for you to sit down and learn some chords. You know, I was thinking yeah, about no. that. I was thinking about that because I got sent uh, something from, I don't know, one of the guitar companies, just an, a link, and it was just like online lessons or some program to learn. And I do have a bunch of guitars that musicians have given me over the years just hanging on my wall but i couldn't play a note of them but i was thinking about that but i gotta tell you i actually uh where a lot of my friends are just telling me how bored they are sitting around and i i i get it i'm actually not i'm actually like because i'm still doing all my normal work yeah. my, my schedule beyond being on the road like in the last three four years i've traveled more than i ever have in my life nothing like a touring musician would be but a lot for me so actually i'm enjoying the time and i'm getting caught up on so many things i need to do and i'm still doing uh you know a couple radio shows a day really so yeah things are a little more chill but i don't know if i have the time or discipline to really and the patience to really <laughs> sit down true. and want to learn but even if i could just knock out a few chords i'd be happy i'm not looking to be ingve malmstein i'm just looking to be able to you know chunk out a couple yeah. riffs but one of these days I, i'm hey, going to pick one of these up and try i really am what one of the what, one of the most satisfying things and, and this is this is the only thing you got to do right just just learn an a minor and 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 make sure you crank it up and just like da -da, and it just feels great <laughs> all right well, if you're ever ever bummed for any reason just like literally that's 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 the 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 rock stance you know angus young you know with horns up in the air chord so i i, I encourage just just one you don't even have to learn three three is better because then you can actually like do more with it but even if it's just one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I actually have a tiny little lamp, and I actually have a few guitars hanging on the wall. So maybe, hopefully, this quarantine thing doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't last much longer. But maybe I'll pull one of them off the wall and and try to try to master that at some point. Although I don't think the world needs me playing guitar. That's for sure, Lizzie. <laughs> I think there's plenty of great players like yourselves that have got that covered. Here's the real question: talking about guitars, and I'll leave you on this one. So. Um, the real question is in the quarantine and and with this deal with Gibson will they be will you be bringing back the keytar Ah you know <laughs> it's, okay don't uh, you know it's funny you say that um because the guys at at Sweetwater actually sent me one of their new keytars a couple <laughs> months ago that just like the Roland AX whatever and it is so it, oh my gosh! It is so like futuristic looking. It, it is it is white and gold, so it kind of like looks like my guitar anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, I wouldn't even have to play it if I just strap it on and walk out on a stage. It's an automatic woo. It's an automatic <laughs> woo. <laughs> yeah. It's like what a weird secret weapon. But I've been I've been playing on it, and it makes me feel like I'm like 13 again because that was my the keytar was my gateway drug to. 
<laughs> yeah, we should give people the, the real quick the backstory because we've yeah. talked about this before on the show, and it's just funny. <laughs> is you you brought it up? I think you were in my on my show with Joe one time a few years ago, and they're like, "Yeah, there's you know, well, Lizzie first started rocking the keytar, and I'm like the keytar, and for people listening <laughs> that don't know, it's the it's the the keyboard you wear around your neck that kind of acts like a guitar, yeah. and then you or Joe were like, "Yeah, just go on YouTube. There's l- videos of little Lizzie playing the keytar, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> "Whoa, you like started mastering the keytar." That's unbelievable. <laughs> so I, it's funny because I've been playing on it, and I literally—it's weird. I, I had to like go back in time, and I'm like, maybe I should like relearn that song I was playing when I was 15. I don't know, um, but you know, I don't know. Don't tempt me because you could bring it may, back. You could bring the may, guitar yeah, back. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know what? Maybe that needs to be a small goal for some of these new songs for the next record because then I'll have a reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you, <laughs> you remember this conversation when you see me, but don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> you should bring, you should rock it. Just one. You should bring it out for like half of a song or something to, to, just to see how much yeah. of the audience makes that connection. It's just like, Oh my God, this is great. You know, it's always so much fun when you see artists go back to their roots. Just don't know if you want to go back that far, but it would be pretty cool. <laughs> A little homage to your dad, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, dad would be proud. <laughs> hey, it's great to talk to you. Uh, stay sane, stay safe, stay healthy. Say hello to the to the, to the guys in the band. And uh, if you need anything, hit me up and uh, you know, say hello to all my friends there in Nashville. I'm sure everybody's dealing with it the best they can. And hopefully we'll, we'll be on the other side of it sooner than later. Oh, absolutely, man! And, and thanks for reaching out and uh, and for you know giving me a little uh, little social. It's just a, it's it's uh, it's lovely to talk to you and hear your voice. And I'm glad you're doing well. And I'll hey, I, I can't wait to party with you on the other side, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna I be know. One hell of a one. <laughs> I know. Then <laughs> for sure, we'll definitely <laughs> knock a few back next time. It'll be long overdue. So, all right, Lizzie, thank you so much. Thanks for the time and good luck with the record. I can't wait to hear the next record. I really can't. And obviously, um, you know, maybe some. <laughs> maybe some songs about quarantine coming it sounds like too <laughs> absolutely uh you're the best eddie thank you take care lizzie bye-bye <laughs> bye my thanks to lizzie hale always great to visit with her look forward to seeing what uh hailstorm has in store for their next record hopefully they'll get around to being able to get into a studio to record it when all of the virus mania clears Coming up next, David Ellison of Megadeth. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Back with interview number two of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and I've got David Ellison of Megadeth. Now, again, the interview you're about to hear in it, David talks about a upcoming sort of online telethon that he was doing for a charitable cause that has happened. Uh, it happened last weekend. So disregard that in terms of it coming up when we talk about it, just so it's in context. Again, all the interviews you hear on the podcast originate from my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, which is daily two to four, 10 to midnight Eastern has to be a week or two before I use them here on the podcast. So that is the reason for the timeline being a little bit off, but a lot of other great content, in this interview with David, including him talking about Megadeth's tour opening for Five Finger Death Punch and what it was like to be back on stage again with David Ellison, uh, with David, uh, Dave Mustaine, I should say, 
in his first shows after recovering from cancer. So we cover a lot, and here is David Ellison of Megadeth. Enjoy. How are you, sir? Good, Eddie. How you doing, buddy? I'm are good. You? Are you you are in Arizona, correct? I am in Arizona. Yeah, I've been here since we got home off the Five Finger Death Punch Megadeth Bad Wolf tour that we did across Europe in January and February. Um, our last show was on the 23rd of February in Bulgaria, and then uh, went up to London for a couple of days and came home after that. And it was it was interesting because we were literally ahead of this this coronavirus thing by a couple weeks. Um, it, it didn't hear anything about it really in Europe the first, really pretty much through, through January, but by kind of mid, early to mid February, you start, we started hearing about it, you know, and we'd actually done a show in Italy, in Milan, um, and there was no concern at all about it then. And it, it's interesting how we stayed a couple of weeks ahead of it and got home safely, um, and, you know, we just got home and hunkered down. We did have a show. We were going to headline the Hell in Heaven Festival in Mexico, uh, middle of March. And we did end up canceling that. Um, and uh, Dirk and I were supposed to head to Nashville right after that to go start recording uh, drums and bass on the new Megadeth album. But, you know, that was right as everything was locking down. And, you know, I, it's been pretty chill here in Arizona. Um, our governor finally... Uh, locked everything down uh, two nights ago, but and that was really at the insistence, I think, of the healthcare community to just, you know, insist, like, look, everybody stay home and we can get ahead of this. And, the, you know, the amount of cases of COVID-19 that have been reported here is extremely low. And I think, you know, obviously, if, if we can keep it that way, you know, all the better. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you, we were just talking off the air here for a second before we started, and you were, you know, you you have roots here in New Jersey, where I am, and I know, but I know you live in Arizona, but in New Jersey, in New York area, it's a real different story. In LA, it's a bit of a different story, and then other parts of the country, not so much. But I think the idea is to manage it now. If everybody gets on board with managing it, maybe we get back to normalcy sooner than later. I guess that's where it's going. But the crazy thing about this that I I get, David, is it just seems like nobody truly really knows. You know, it's like there's a lot of people and I watch the news and people trying to politicize this and what have you. And they, they jump on people for changing their tune. Well, you know what? Everybody's changing their tune because every day there's different news coming out about this one way or the other. Like we were told not to wear, if you're healthy and you go out, don't wear masks. It's pointless. Today, they came out and said, you know what, you should wear a mask even if you're healthy. So it keeps evolving and changing, and everybody's just trying to adapt and figure out what works best for them and hopefully you know, put it all behind us soon. It's, it's just, it really I, is uncharted waters. It's crazy. Yep. Yep, I agree. You know, I'm I'm married to a Jersey girl, as you know, <laughs> and she, yeah. you know, we bought a place, uh, you know, down in Barnegat, just just off uh, off LBI, you know, where she grew up, and it's just kind of our summer getaway to get out of the heat. Of course, I'm usually on tour during the summer, but um, you know, when uh, when we moved here, she's to, to Scottsdale from Los Angeles back in '93. You know, her she grew up a beach girl, and she said, "Oh my God, please don't let me die in the desert." <laughs> so we, you know, we picked up a place, down, you know, kind of down the road from you there in Jersey, and you know, it's it's uh, in fact her in laws or my in laws, I should say, her mom and dad. You know, they they they've been snowboard snowbirding out here, and they have a condo out here in Scottsdale. Um, really, since my kids were born. Uh, you know, many years back, 20 some years ago. So, you know, they're here and they were kind of panicking. Should we go home? They're like, no, stay here like that. You know, I think going home to New Jersey would be the worst thing you can do. And, 
you know, and then you look at it and, and, um, you know, Frank Bellow and I were just doing a podcast the other day and Frank was surprisingly chill. Um, he looked really good and he was very relaxed. He, of course, was in his basement of his house, but, you know, he was, you know, talking about how he would go out and get groceries with the full mask and gloves and the whole thing. And, you know, we see a little bit of that here in Arizona. Um, certainly like at the grocery stores, you know, the cashiers who are kind of on the front lines. Um, you know, my daughter is an ASU nursing student right now, and she's, you know, all classes are online at home now. So she does get some information that comes in, um, you know, that it, it's interesting. I'll ask her, say, what did you hear today? And she'll, she'll tell us what she got from her sources, which, you know, usually are not economically or politically slanted. They're just more straight, you know, kind of medical, factual stuff. So, it, right. yeah, it's really you know, then of course we're talking to our friends back in Barnegat and Manahawkin area back in New Jersey, and they're you know filling us in on stuff that's happening back there. But uh, feel very blessed, quite honestly, Eddie, to, to be here in Arizona. Um, it's a perfect, pretty blue, clear sky today, and um, we live in a not a very heavily populated suburban area, and you know, very very thankful. You know, that we're able. Everyone in Megadeth is is healthy, and we're all home and. Um, Kiko's in Finland. Um, you know, he's, he's over there. He, he married a Finnish girl and uh, years back. And so he and his wife and kids, they're holed up in, in Helsinki. So oh, I wow. mean, he and I were just actually, we were talking on WhatsApp last night and he's saying, what do you think? You know, long term. And I said, well, look, the concert business is in a weird state. I mean, right now the Megadeth Lamb of God tour scheduled to start in June, June, July, and then a second leg of October, November. I mean, currently it, it's, it's, uh, in motion as planned. But, um, you know, I think, I think like you say, every day it's something different. And I think kind of weekly you, you, you are, you have to be prepared to change your, your strategy and make some contingencies. Cause it's, I mean, especially for the concert business. I mean, my God, as if, as if the record business didn't take a big enough hit over the recent years, you know, now the one source of bread and butter for not just artists, but crew and staff and right. venues and promoters. I mean, everybody, it's like now that, I mean, that, 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 you know, who knows? I mean, that could be six months, 12 months, who knows what the, what the state of this is. So we just take it a day at a time. It really is crazy. And I feel for those folks and, you know, the bigger acts, they're going to be able to weather this, but the smaller bands, the club level bands, uh, the crews, the people behind the scenes, uh, they're all taking a hit. I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. We're going to talk about some stuff that you have going on for a really great cause in a second. But you just mentioned the tour that you did do, and you said you <clears> went through Italy, which was, you know, I'm good friends with uh, Mike Piazza, the baseball player. Mike lives in Italy, and he got out just in time. I mean, that area got hit so hard. Um, you guys went through there. How did the whole, how did that tour go with Five Finger? Because it was beyond the stuff going on with the virus starting to build. It was also, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, that was Dave's first run back since the cancer, right? Right, right. No, it was. It was, yeah, fortunately, we were safe from everything. I tell you, the first thing we noticed when we flew into Helsinki, Finland to start the tour, and it's the second week of January, there was no snow. And, you know, it's a very, you know, I know here the whole global warming is a very polarizing political thing. Over there, it is very much a reality to them. Like, they, I asked my cab driver, I said, like, what is the deal? He goes, oh, it's global warming. I mean, just not, like, the, to have Europe with no snow in January. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, so that was kind of the first thing. You're like, wow, like, this is kind of like, we bicker over this in the United States, and now this is like a real thing. Right. So, 
you know, you see, you see things, of course, as you travel the world, you know, through some, some, some different eyes, but you know, that first show we did in, um, you know, we'd rehearsed in Nashville and Dave just took it very easy. We've been talking for a couple of weeks about the set list and what kind of songs to play. And quite honestly, you know, we have, you know, Megan is one of these very rare bands where we can, you know, ramp it up with Lamb of God and play a very trash set with a more of a radio rock band like Five Finger Death Punch. We can play some kind of more mid-tempo, you know, mainstream songs that are kind of more radio material. Right, sure, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're a band that can really, you know, we're not a one-trick pony. We can kind of tailor our set list a bit to, to the audience. And quite honestly, that Five Finger Tour was a real blessing for us because there's no way we would have been able to do hour and a half headlining shows, uh, get you with Dave just kind of easing back into it again. So for us to go out and do a 60 minute, uh, direct support set was perfect. Um, every night, I mean, was packed, sold out. I mean, it was a huge tour of the biggest sports arenas across Europe. It was just phenomenal for everybody. I mean, we were all high fiving every day, just going, "Man, the freaking place is packed tonight!" You know. Well, you, well, you know. Um, let me so ask. Was, let me jump in on that real quick because when that tour was announced, it was kind of surprising to a lot of people that Megadeth was supporting Five Finger. Now, I know Five Finger does really well, but we we were all sort of want, wondering: is that a byproduct of the fact, or was that a byproduct of the fact that is is Five Finger a you know, a bigger band right now in Europe, or was it also a bit of a thing where after I thought about it a little bit, you know, I said, well, maybe this is actually the best thing for Dave because coming back mm -hmm. off of cancer, doing a little less set time, not having that pressure of an hour and a half, an hour and 45 headline, maybe th this is a good way for him to get his, his foot back in the water. Was that mentality there or was it, or does five finger really do that well in Europe? Cause I just don't know. Well, here, here's a couple of things. From a Megadeth strategy, you know, for, for a few years now, you know, we've been going over and doing mostly the big summer festival run. And there's kind of two seasons of it. There's sort of the late May through June into early July. That's it's kind of a seven-week run of those festivals. And then there's a second wave, which is kind of mid-July through about mid-August. Um, so there's kind of two, two uh, legs of the, of, the, of the European festival tour circuit. So we've been doing that pretty, pretty much in the last, the 10 years since I've been back in the band the last decade, that's pretty much what our summers in Europe have looked like. And we've been looking at ways to try to get Megadeth back over there to do a proper real headlining tour. And the numbers were always very, they just didn't line up budgets. And, you know, cause again, we want to put on a big arena level show. Um, some markets we could do that business. Other markets, you know, can, can change and be kind of fickle over there. So, when this five finger opportunity came up, um, you know, on five finger, look, they're, they're firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, they're really hitting their stride. It's, um, um, and, and good for them. You know, they're, it, it's great for them, but you know, they, they needed a good strong package and this was, this was it, you know, I mean, bad wolves, of course, being a great, uh, opener, Megadeth, we pack a big punch and we bring our, our cachet to the thing. And of course, you know, five finger, you know, is, is, uh, you know, is, is writing on now a, a brand new album. Um, and at that point in January, February, the anticipation of a new album. And a couple of things I learned from Zoltan, you know, who, who, you know, really runs and directs the band from a, sort of a business strategy perspective. You know, a lot like Lars from Metallica, you know, Lars understood how to build Metallica because he came from Europe over to America and basically, you know, he had the vision of how, of how to build a, a band from America to become an international level band at the level of what Metallica is. Well, Zoltan is basically the, in my view, this a similar component inside of five fingers. You know, he's from Hungary. 
he moved over here to America many years ago and, um, uh, you know, has, has gotten to have a different view of America and Europe. And so he, you know, he told me how they strategically built that band across Europe, um, across Germany, France, the UK, Scandinavia. And I tell you what, Eddie, I mean, we we're playing these, these huge arenas in Germany and they were freaking packed. I mean, sold out every night. And it, and it was, and it was nice. It was weird because, you know, some nights we'd walk off stage and go, yeah, that wasn't exactly an entire Megadeth audience out there. And, you know, I, I kept telling Zolt, I was like, dude, I got to hand it to you, man. You, you really, you read that one properly. You know, like you guys have really done your work and, and, and earned a, a great audience here. And, uh, you know, years back in the early 90s, Countdown to Extinction, for instance, we'd go over and play those big halls. You know, Megadeth Slayer, we'd go over and do it on Clash of the Titans in 1990 and stuff. But, you know, a lot of those countries can be very fickle in Germany in particular, as much as it's known for its, its metal fervor. Um, they also went through a very big transition into electronic music and stuff through the late 80 or sorry, late 90s into the 2000s. So, um, I mean, it, it really, dude, the, the, the stars lined up on this one, man. It was a really successful win for all three of the bands on that tour. And how did Dave do himself? Like, how how did he? I haven't spoken to him in in a little bit. How how did he do with the shows? I mean, how was his stamina? Did he feel good? Did he have any issues? You know, he he did fantastic. Um, you know, he again, we we strategically put a set list together that would that would really help him um, not push. And sometimes it was some of the lower rain songs. Sometimes it was songs like Wake Up Dead that don't have you know pretty thrashing tune, but doesn't have a lot of a lot of words in it. Um, you know, bringing in some things like Dawn Patrol, um, which gives him a bit of a vocal break. Conquer or Die, of course, off the Stopia album is a, is an instrumental, so that gives a, a nice vocal break. So, you know, we're kind of strategically thinking about that, and, and so every night we could kind of toy with the set list. Gave us an opportunity to change the set list a lot. And, and I think, you know, Dave, I think for all of us, we were all very, very grateful, Eddie to be back on stage being Megadeth again. Yeah. Um, the very first, the very first night in Helsinki, you know, we changed our, our VIP meet and greets where we, we started with like a 30 minute Q and a between the, the, uh, the VIP members and, and the band. And we'd sit there at a table, like almost like a press conference and we'd get to hear from the fans and they'd ask questions. And I'd say that first night when Dave told, uh, about what he really went through in the process. And I was sitting next to him and, and he was really protecting his voice as he was talking and to just really hear from him what he really went through was, I got to tell you, man, it was it was a very emotional moment. And he took that same conversation on stage and he had a moment and he just told the story of when he was diagnosed and what he went through and the treatments and then being deemed um, cancer free. And, you know, how he's, you know, he's he's thankful, but cautious, you know, and he's really just taking it very easy, um, you know, going through that process. So it was. It, it was a big, it was a big win on so many levels. But I think internally for Megadeth, just to be thankful that he's okay, he's healthy, and um, and we get another shot at it. Yeah, well, sure. And it's been a tough run for Dave here because obviously his sister just passed. I texted him my condolences the other day, and I just you know between the cancer and that, and now a guy like that who's recovering from cancer. I mean, with what we're going through in the world with this virus, 
you've got to be real careful. People have any sort of compromised immune systems and stuff. They're, they're real in a real danger zone right now, needing to really be hunkered down and away from everybody. So rough start, uh, you know, rough, rough year or so for Dave, but uh, hopefully better things ahead. And it sounds like there are, I mean, at where things stand now, the, so, cause I'm seeing, you know, it's crazy. I don't know what's going on. Just like we said, nobody really knows, but, Starting to see some tours be, and, and shows being blown out in July, are re, it's mm-hmm. real concerning because then you're like, well, if that's the case, we could lose the whole summer touring season. I mean, that's a real, real risk right now. You guys are scheduled to start around mid-June with Lamb. There's another a bunch of big, big tours mid-June. Of course, we had a ton of big festivals blown out in May. But as it stands now, the plan is for you guys to still do that tour. That is the plan right now. Yes. And I, and I think behind the scenes, um, and again, it's not entirely our decision. I mean, again, right. it's promoters. Know, live, live nation is, yeah, the promoter, the venues, the buildings. I mean, again, we're, we're at the, um, at the beck and call of, of that. I mean, I look, I have a solo tour, uh, that I was going to do with Chris Poland in Australia and Japan, uh, in May. And, um, we got word from the promoter, uh, last week that Australia is not issuing any uh, visa, uh, any work visas until at least June 14th. So that immediately means a reschedule of that. So we're pushing that back probably into 2021. Uh, same, of course, with, with Japan. Um, so I watched my whole May just go away. <laughs> you know, something that I was just going to do personally. Um, and again, even to get to Nashville right now to record. I mean, we had, you know, we had a nice little kind of 10 day window for me and Dirk and Dave to be there and um, to be working tracking. And, and the other thing was, again, Kiko being up in Finland with his family. I mean, Finn air is shut down all flights. Right. Kiko really sees it from a very different perspective. I mean, you know, the Europeans, unlike here, okay, the United States, there's 50, well, lower 48, if you will, you know, we're all kind of in it together. Well, Europe's all in it together, but every country of course operates kind of like we state, possibly could where they can shut down borders um you know the czech republic can shut their borders whereas germany may not uh flights or i think all the flights have just stopped i mean flights are not going anywhere right now across europe so i mean kiko couldn't get the national to re- record a megadeth album if if we wanted him to i mean he is literally landlocked over there and um so you know these are some some real realities of um of even just getting together to, to make a record right now. Last thing on Megadeth, and I want to change gears and talk about something really cool you're doing, uh, charitable and some of your own things that you have going on. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about this. So I was talking to uh, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm on my show the other day, and they're kind of like uh, in the same mode as where Megadeth is in the sense that they were about to start recording and they had the bulk of the record, the records pretty much written and they were ready to go. And then one of the things she was telling me is now that everything is kind of on hold in terms of people working, it's given her more time to toil with the songs and sort of say like, well, maybe I'm going to rewrite this or I'm going to rewrite this or I'm going to work on this. So that is, and, and that could be, as you know, as a musician doing this for decades, that can be a two edged sword because you open up a, a whole can of worms. Like, well, I can redo that. So what material wise for Megadeth is everything done and locked? Or do you think with this, because also you and I both know that this is having an effect on people in a lot of ways. I think it's going to inspire 
if maybe that's the wrong word. Well, yeah, inspire. It's gonna be, it's gonna uh, influence music. I think that we're gonna I'm gonna be hearing from a lot of artists and talking to them, saying down you know six months a year from now, saying yeah, that song was written during the quarantine. That song was written about the virus. That song was written about what was going on in the world at that time. So I think we're gonna see a lot of that when things ramp up seep into new music. So I guess the question is like. Where is, was the Megadeth material locked, or do you think that it, with this break and and hold on recording, that that maybe some stuff's going to be revisited? Yeah, I think some things are going to be revisited. I mean, we, Dave and I always had a thing, uh, and this was back in the '80s. Nothing's final until it's vinyl, meaning until it was pressed into right. vinyl. <laughs> I mean, you know, a vinyl or a cassette, I guess, or eight track back in the day. You know, it, it's not final until it comes out. So everything's subject to change. Even through the recording process, things things change. And of course, with digital editing, we can, you know, have even even more luxury of that. But, you know, I think the reason we booked um, late March as our start date is we, we, you know, we work best when we've got deadlines and we've got our back against the wall. We just do. Um, when... I remember when we were making the Euthanasia record and Max Norman, we're out here in Phoenix, the whole band had, had relocated out here uh, to make the record. Um, Max had built a studio and, and he, one day he told me, he goes, man, in his British accent, you know, Max, he goes, man, we gotta, we gotta get this record started, man. We're, we're running out of money and we're running out of time. And I said, well, what is the budget? What is the schedule? And he goes, he goes, the budget is whatever, as much money as you have, it gets spent. And as much time as you have, you use it. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> and I took that as a real lesson from Max. It's kind of like, you know, it, it just kind of, you keep kicking it down the road until there's a deadline. And that was one of the reasons we wanted a deadline is to just, okay, now it's time to, to get going. And, and of course, look, we had some plans and strategies about dropping singles around the tour coming up this year. And of course, all of that changes. I mean, you know, you figure everybody at Universal Music, our record company, they're all probably working from home. Um, even the studios in Nashville, you know, to what degree they're, they're mandating employees to work from home oh, yeah. and not even be in the studio. Cartage, you know, cartage, the people to move our drums and amplifiers from warehouses sure. into studios. I mean, they, they, and again, the whole industry, you know, everything just locked down, you know, so it's, it, it, even again, even if we wanted to go record some music, it just may not be available to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're seeing a lot of uh, releases pushed back, things that are even done that were supposed to come out. Nobody's going to put that out against everything going on right now. You can't do radio tours. You can't play live. You can't uh, do publicity, really, in term, in, nothing in person, you know. So it's really, it's really an unprecedented time, and it's having an impact across the board. Now, you also have uh, some great stuff going on as far as a new single that you've done for charity. Talk a little bit about that, if you will. Yeah, as much as we just talked about kind of our traditional modes and methods of living life and touring and all that we do um, as bands, you know, this this season right now of crisis has also opened up some opportunities for, um, for you know, for, to, to think different and get out of the box. And of course, one of them, look, we've got this technology. I mean, you and I are ta- chatting from two different states and um, our, our phones, we've got WebEx, we've got Zoom, we've got Skype, we've got so many different things that are right at our disposal anyway. And I think right now is a time when when we were forced to, to dip in and use those things. And about a year and a half ago, I started uh, the David Ellison Youth Music Foundation, and it was designed specifically to help uh, support music programs in in particular rural areas, public schools, private private uh, education, etc. 
because uh, I grew up on a farm in Minnesota, so that that area was, you know, that that's a, that's a kind of a near near to me. I, I got my start as a musician in the public school system, playing in orchestra band and jazz band and stuff. So for me, I see the real significance of it. Well, with the COVID nineteen uh, matter on us right now, schools around the country, around the world, are are just closed. They're shut down, and kids are are forced to be at home. So what uh, my partner Tom Hazard and I came up with an idea to be able to teach free lessons to the students who are um, out of school right now. And I can't possibly do all of them. So I started tapping some of my, some of my buddies, other, you know, well-known musicians like Bumblefoot, Chris Poland, Clint Lowry from uh, seven dust, Nita Strauss from, uh, from Alice Cooper's band and a whole bunch of others, uh, Jimmy DeGrasso uh, to help out and do it. And I tell you, you know, we, we put up, uh, we called the initiative schools out. And um, we're part of the Grammy Music uh, Education Coalition, so they've been a huge supporter for us with this. Um, we've got a nice technology grant from Cisco, also from Dolby. And um, that has, has really just been terrific. And, and along with that, um, my solo band uh, that I work with internationally is based entirely out of uh, Italy. And while they are all safe, um, they're all working from home studios. We've been continuing to write some new music, which will eventually become on, on my next uh, Ellison solo uh, CD. And we have a track uh, called Simple Truth that we have done. It's mixed. It's ready to go. And um, as Tom and I were talking about pushing out this initiative, and, and I said, you know what, why don't we just take that song and let's just push it out. We'll, get, we'll put it out to radio. We'll put it up on all the platforms. And we're going to just donate all of the all the income and all the proceeds from that to um, to to Italy to the um, Italian Red Cross, the COVID nineteen relief fund that they have over there. So um, it's which is it feels great. So I've got kind of two initiatives: one, schools out, which is give the free lessons from my rock star musician buddies, and then the other one is is uh, pushing out a song and just giving all the proceeds over over to Italy. Now, people want to buy or download or however they help raise funds with uh, through getting Simple Truth for the Italian Red Cross. How do they do it? Do they do they go to your site? What's the best way to do it so that the funds get to where they need to get to? Yeah, we're doing a Bandcamp uh, on Bandcamp's uh, site on uh, April 10th. Um, it'll be coming out there, plus on all digital outlets via Combat Records. Um, which is my record label. It'll be coming out on all the digital outlets on April 17th. So, and that, that's everywhere, all the Spotify, iTunes, everything. So um, when you purchase that, all, all of the income, all of the royalty income from that will, will go over there. As far as the schools out thing goes, um, our, our website, Ellison Youth Music Foundation.org um, has a nice landing page. There's a donate button up there. That if anybody uh, is uh, feeling charitable and would like to donate to that, the, any of the income from that goes to just help pay for the infrastructure of the, keeping the foundation open. And I'm not going to lie, Eddie, there's a lot of our friends who are out of work yeah. right now. And and so we're going to use some of the proceeds of that to pay some of our, our celebrity instructors uh, to help pay them in this downtime. Um, and the lessons to the kids are free. 18 and under, the kids that have signed up, we've, man, we've had, we're cutting up on almost a thousand entries of, of people that have hit us up for free lessons. And um, Bumblefoot, or, you know, your neighbor up there in New Jersey, he's been so generous with stuff as Nita Strauss and um, Jimmy DeGrasso, Dirk Durbiron, Kiko's going to help out. 
Um, but our goal is, is with some of the money that we raised for the foundation is to be able to kick some of that money over to these guys so that they can, they can have a little bit of income in this downtime right now. Well, that's great stuff. And then the third component of all this that I know you're doing is on uh, on April 11th. There's there's sort of a, a a telethon going on. Is that is that am I reading that right? Yeah, yeah, telethon. Yeah, I mean, you know, for you and me, we think Jerry Lewis, right? Of course, yeah, of course. 44, 48 hours. So who knows? Maybe it'll end up to be that. But yeah, we're doing our first ever web based telethon. And it is part of the David Ellison Youth Music Foundation. And that is also a fundraiser. That's going to be at least an eight, maybe a 12 hour, uh, telethon that we're going to do. And we're, and, um, we're going to be streaming live on the Grammy, Grammy Music Education Coalition Facebook and through their Twitch account. And also through the, through my own David Ellison Facebook and YouTube accounts. Also the Ellison Youth Foundation Facebook and YouTube accounts. And we've got some great, People coming in, Bumblefoot, uh, Clint Lowry, Nita Strauss, they're going to actually do some performances. Um, the, Lo- um, the Loyal Order is another group that's on our label. And and your buddies, Don Jameis and Jim Florentine, are coming. So you're more than welcome to join. Maybe we can do a That Metal Show reunion on the telethon. You're All more right. than welcome to join us. I'll check We'd in. Love to have you. I'll follow up with you on that for sure. And you got Craig Gass there, too, I see on your rundown. Craig Gass is coming. I just talked to Ricky Rackman about an hour ago. He's going to come. He's even offered to host. I told him, look, if we if we get like so shot, he goes, man, I'm happy to help in any way. So it, it's a come one, come all. It's a, it's, it's, it's a fundraiser for the, uh, for the Ellison youth music foundation. And, um, again, the, the proceeds are going to really just, it, it's a charity to just kind of help our own community out, you know, and, and keep, keep music alive so we can continue to take the music out to the, especially in this case to the, to the students and the, and the kids who are stuck at home keep the creativity going so yeah Yeah, you'll have some laughs there you got don jim and craig and then you've got all those great artists in there too and yeah absolutely you know it's funny i was telling you off the air that um you know and this is on saturday so i should hopefully have some some time to be able to at least jump in for a little bit but i was telling you off the air and there's so many people that are uh, struggling for work right now and don't have work right now or have lost their jobs or have their jobs and are getting paid, but just sitting home bored. I've been lucky in that. Thank, thank goodness. I've actually been as busy as I've ever been because I'm still doing all the things I normally do and actually even busier because I have to do them all myself. My producers and stuff, they, you know, they can't get to the buildings. They're not working. So, you know, everybody's got different things going on, even though we're all sort of in our respective zones. And you were saying this before we went on the air too, that even for you, you've been really busy and that you've been spending more time practicing, which kind of surprised me when you'd said that, because you'd think of, you think of a guy like you, such an accomplished bass player doing it for decades to actually sit down and still practice wouldn't be something that you would really be doing, but you still do actively practice and are doing so more than ever, huh? I do. And you know what happens is, you know, we get out on tour, for instance, and, and we get into, you know, we get into our routines. Um, when we show up at the venue, there's meet and greets, um, try to eat dinner, grab a little bite. Then you go into, you know, your wardrobe, change clothes, get ready for the show, vocal warmups, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah, look, where's time that we, we, you know, get our guitars and sit down in our jam room and run through a few tunes to get the kind of the band warmed up before we take the stage. Um, but you know, th- there's a lot of distractions in the day and sometimes you're tired or you're feeling a little under the weather. There's a lot of things that happen. So that, that special time where you can just be alone by yourself to really put the time in on your instrument, those, those moments 
start to go away. And I noticed that when I first moved to L.A. in 83 and met Dave and we were starting Megadeth, you know, you're, you're trying to make a buck so you can eat doing something. You're trying to write songs. You're trying to put a band together. And the business of being in a band can really take away that, that, that time and, and, you know, to just practice. And eventually, you're pl- you know, Stu Ham was a, just a dear friend of mine, and I, his clinics are amazing. He and I have done some clinic stuff together. And, you know, he's got a quote that I think just says it all. He says, practicing shows up in your playing immediately. When you've been practicing, you can tell. When you haven't, you can tell. And um, it's it's an interesting time. I'm certainly working on Megadeth songs, um, really detailing into that that stuff right now. Um, so when the day comes when we can record, I'll be ready to go. But and and also again, I'm always writing. I'm, some days I pick up the bass and the little riff falls out, or I'll pick up a guitar and a little riff falls out, or I'll write a lyric idea. Um, but to sit down, you know, with, with, some, I've got even some music books over here, some slap bass books and you see, you know, I don't do much slap bass, uh, certainly in rock and roll and metal stuff that I play, but you know, to just get out of my comfort zone and be academic about it and to take the time, you know, this, this quiet lockdown time has actually been really, really good for my bass playing and to really just fall back in love with being a student of the bass again. Two quick things. Uh, you still doing the coffee? I am. Yes. Coffee is going well. In fact, thank God for our mail order business. You know, in fact, we're probably going to be doing another little push on it because, you know, not that we want everybody sitting around drinking coffee, getting nervous at home, but why not? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're going to drink coffee, whether they're getting nervous or not. I mean, that's like the biggest (laughs) trick is that they probably, everybody wants that security of a good cup of coffee. I'll tell you, Starbucks, around here in new jersey they all had to close unless they had a drive-through so the only way you could get a starbucks is if you go through a drive-through and there's three there's three starbucks close to my house but only one of them has a drive-through so the other two are completely closed the one with the drive-through i got to tell you the line goes through the parking lot because (laughs) everybody's got to get their their caffeine fix it's the same way here. You know, we have one here in, in Scottsdale, and I'm told it was one of the very first drive-thrus in America that they try. It was a sort of a test market. It's in a big anchor, but there's a big Sprouts, you know, market. There's a McDonald's and a Chipotle and everything, and it's a great little thing. And and I and and it's uh, and, and it's the same thing. I mean, all the Starbucks here are closed. You, if you initially it started, you could go in, get your coffee, but then you had to leave right, and get out, right, and right, hang out. And then I went to a Starbucks. I'm like, what the heck? It's closed and and that that drive through is the only thing that's open around here. So you're, you're right. It's like, man, the business they must be doing is just off the, you know, through the roof right now at the drive throughs Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Bellow a second ago, our good friend Frank Bellow. I was excited yeah. to see that you guys are going to be on. I know it's a bit down the line, and by the time we get to early next year, hopefully all this virus madness will be long behind us. But I was excited to see you guys, uh, meaning you and Frank with A&A, were added to the Monsters of Rock cruise. So there are plans to do more stuff with that band, it sounds like. Absolutely. I was so happy. You know, Larry Morant is the promoter of that. Of course, he also did the, the Mega Cruise. Sure. Good um, friend. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah, you know, he's, 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 our, he's our buddy, you know. So it's just great to be in his, in his fold and his world and and yeah, I was very excited when uh, we got the offer to go do it, and um, and uh, I'm sure you'll be there. And oh yeah, great lineup of bands, Alice Cooper, and uh, just a whole list of great, great artists. So yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Me and Frank are excited. You know, it's always nice as an artist to have something to look forward to. 
because you know like i said to frank i said look we should get together why not write some more songs we, we actually have a few that we already have written and we just need to get in probably with jay rustin our producer out in la and start recording so in and around frank's work with anthrax this year writing a new new anthrax record uh hopefully we'll have a couple moments to get in and maybe track a new song or two for yeah. altitudes and attitude yeah and i've hosted every monsters of rock cruise and i'll tell you that's one of the really cool things about that cruise uh, among many but one of them is the fact that you will get bands on that cruise that maybe it's the only time because of scheduling or what whatever the case may be that they can play all year so it's a unique opportunity mm-hmm. to see some bands that don't, don't tour all that much or can't be all that active because obviously you have megadeth frank as anthrax so there's a lot of those bands that end up being on that ship and of course next year is really cool because your your arizona brethren there is the headliner alice cooper it's going to be amazing i know what a great what a great look that is and i mean there is no harder working man in showbiz oh. than alice i mean i think between alice and kiss they've got it nailed down you know look, they learned right i mean look we grew up on their music and you know they still have an old school work ethic and Ed betty i watched a great instagram uh, that Paul Stanley did from his house, and and he had, so he had those a great also, quote. Yeah. He, right, but he said he said uh, he goes. Oh, I wrote this thing. He was talking about writing Love Gun, and he talked about you know I'd be in between a tour, and he said he goes a fan asked which tour, and he said there's only been one Kiss tour, right, just with little breaks in between, right. <laughs> and and you know it, it really is that it it, it just kind of goes on and on and on, and you know we're we're blessed, we are of the fortunate ones that we can do that, and Alice Cooper is certainly. My gosh, that guy works. He's, he's never, never, never stops. Just keeps going. God bless him. Yeah, he's truly one of a kind. Never stops. Still great at what he does. And, you know, consistently one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet as well. So many of our heroes are getting older. And, and, and frankly, there's some of them that I think probably, you know, should think about retiring. But when you look at <laughs> Alice and you hear Alice, he's still as good as he's ever been. He really is, if not better. It's crazy. So, you know, he, he's found a way. He really has found the eternal fountain of youth. It's amazing. That guy really is amazing. He is. And you know what? I get it. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I, I think as soon as you retire, like, that's it. I think it becomes the end of the road for a lot of us. And, and you and me might be, might be in the same boat yeah, well. one day, you know. We'll get to that point and we go, well, retire. Like, why would I do that? And, 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 I, and I get it. I mean, look, I, at 55 years of age, I am doing the exact same thing I did when I was 12 years old Me in too. the basement of the farmhouse, right? I mean, we're doing same the same exact thing. age, same exact thing. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we, we are retired. I mean, again, I think we're, we're fortunate that in some ways we've never really had to work a day in our lives because we've always just been doing something that's been very passionate to us. And, you know, and I, I hate when people are, oh, I'm going to work. But it's like, you know, I love that they, they call it playing music for a reason, you know, and and, it, and there should be joy in it. It should bring you satisfaction. Obviously, there's hard work involved and effort sure. and, you know, travel and whatnot. But, you know, and schedules and that. But, but, but it's, you know, that was the whole point of it is it's like, look, you know, if I wanted to get a job, I'll just go work, you know what I mean? Right. So I, I, I think, I think you see that in, 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 Guys like Alice, you know, and, and, and in particular, you know, you see a real joy in him. He's, he's thankful. He gets to hang out with all of his friends and his buddies um, making music. You know, I performed when his, um, in his uh, uh, Alice Cooper Christmas Pudding event, which is the fundraiser for his charity right? Um, out here. And, and he's just, you know, he. I, the last time I did it, I played bass for Rob Halford and I played bass for Alice. 
and uh, Nita and Glenn Sobel from his band were there, uh, Richie Faulkner. Um, it was great having Edgar Winter point to me and say, hey, take a bass solo, you know. <laughs> and it was just, you know, there we are. With, we're all just friends hanging out, jamming and making music, you know. And, and, and it's, you know, it, you know, standing there with the iconic guys that I grew up with and as well as my contemporaries, just standing there making me flash was there and making music together. And, and it's, it, it's no different than when we were all teenagers in high school jamming with our buddies. It really hasn't changed what one bit. No, it hasn't. And I forgot to ask you, keep things keep hitting me. How about KK uh, getting ready to do oh. his thing? You know, you were, yeah, you, you were, know, you know, the a catalyst for that, right? It was. Yeah. In fact, we talked about doing more with that. And, 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 and KK just said, he goes, you know, I, I could tell, you know, leading into that event, and we went live on your show here, so you were there, and I mean, you were, thank you for just opening that platform, because I think a lot of that was just, you know, getting KK just back up and going again, and then again, he's like, oh, but he's, you know, he's not going to retire, I mean, it's, he's, 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 I mean, he's KK down, you know, and, and it was so fun to just have him, he just kept getting more excited about that gig that we did in, in November at his, at the KK Steel Mill that we talked about on air with you and, and boy, once we got there and we did it, I mean, it was just, it was just an explosive moment and it just, it, you know, people were calling it the gig of the year. It was so unexpected and so random. Um, and it was just a perfect moment. And after we got off stage, as I was walking upstairs to the dressing room, I, I was, I was walking right behind KK and I said, Ken, you better get ready to pack your bags, buddy. Cause I think there's going to be more of that. The phone's <laughs> going to be ringing. <laughs> and he was just thrilled. He goes, Oh my God, the energy of this night, this is an amazing band. And, you know, I think at some point we just had to decide, look, I've got a, a big year coming up with Megadeth and I've got a lot of other stuff. And, and quite honestly, KK wants to work, man. I mean, he's ready to go. Yeah. And uh, he, he is, he's forever my friend. And I just said, listen, man, you ever want to share a song, share a stage? I'm always there for you in any way that that we can. And but it otherwise, man, like get going, man. You're like now's your moment, and and I'm just I'm happy and proud to just you know help a friend out to get back up on stage and get going and get rocking. And and I'm just I'm proud of that night. I think it was good for everybody. Well, it was, and it's given us him you know fully relaunched now. And I had figured that that when you weren't part of when he announced KK's Priest, I had figured that uh, you not being a part of it was pretty much driven by what we just spent the last 45 minutes talking about which is you know your very busy schedule whether it be with Megadeth and all your other stuff so you, there's only one Mike Portnoy in this world that can do 15 bands at the same time <laughs> yeah and again you know you know Ken he, you know, KK deserves to have his you know he deserves to call the shots and have his own path forward now you know what I mean he's you know he was in a big band for a lot of years and and this is his moment, and and again, it com he completely has my blessing with it. And uh, hey, if it comes a moment where we can do a show again or do some other stuff, at any time, you know. Again, friends, friends with friends making music, you know. Well, we just covered a lot and a lot of good stuff in there. And I wish you well. Uh, be healthy. Be safe there in Arizona, everybody. More information about all these things that David has just talked about, Ellison Youth Music Foundation.org. You've got the telethon. You've got the recording of, um, of, uh, Simple Truth, right? That's the song title. Yep. And right. you've got, mm -hmm. uh, you've got a, the, the school's out event. So you've got a lot going on. That's the best place to send everybody who may have just tuned in to find out about everything. 
Yep, that's it. The uh, Ellison Youth Music Foundation dot org. That's the one. Okay, so not the just for the listeners, it's Ellison Youth Music Foundation dot org. Go there and uh, and then the general site for all of the products and different things, the coffee and all that. Where where do people go for that? Yeah, I mean, uh, davidellison.com has everything. Um, if you want to go specifically to order some coffee so you can sit around and get nervous in your quarantine, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's ellisoncoffeeco.com. There you go. All right, man. Well, listen, it's always good to talk to you. You and your family stay safe, and I'll, I'll see you out there again soon, hopefully sooner than later. Thanks. Likewise, Eddie, man. Good to chat. See ya. Thanks, David. Well, my thanks to David Ellison, and earlier my thanks to Lizzie Hale, and of course, big thanks to you for listening to my podcast, which again, you can get every Thursday, new episodes, podcastone.com, Apple Podcast, and now free on Spotify. Follow on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, and of course, the official online home is eddietrunk.com. You guys be well, be safe, be healthy. And uh, I will connect with you again next Thursday for another all-new episode. Don't forget Katie Irizarry, of course, as usual, puts the whole podcast together and is the producer. Have a great week, everybody. Catch you next Thursday for more interviews. I'll bring you Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony. That is a great one. You're going to love it. I'll get that up for you uh, next Thursday. So look forward to that. And remember, check the archives. See if there's stuff you may have missed now that you're probably sitting around listening for things or looking for things to listen to. So be sure to um, have a look. All right. Have a good week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.